0: It's Monday, April 4th, and this is Season 6, Episode 30 of the Four Stars First Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony.
1: With me this week is John. Lovely to be with you, as always, on this momentous 48 hours. Catherine. Hi, everyone. And Mike.
2: Hey, how's it going?
0: Well, I wanted to thank you all for being with me today when you could be watching Arsenal Fan TV and having probably a better time, but I think we're going to have a good time here regardless. Um and And, let's start with that. Um, so we had to, we went into the weekend uh, with a big match against Newcastle. Um I think most of us were feeling confident. we 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 looked at the lineup, and maybe uh, I know I had a little bit of concerns about the wing back situation and Doherty being on the the left and and Emerson Royal, who hasn't performed very well being on the right. Uh, so that brought up some concerns. but, uh, somehow this all worked out. Um, and I, what I, where I want to start at is with our question from uh, big bird, AP two, three, eight, seven, one on Twitter. Um, these last few matches show Spurs ability to break the low block. That's key. What are they, what are they doing differently than before? So let's start the conversation off with what are Spurs doing differently than what
1: the, what they were before John. Well, I think one of the things they're doing differently is they're listening to the coach and they're doing what he tells them. Um, you know Conte is a supreme coach, and I really don't think in the past that the last couple of coaches have had the confidence of the Spurs players and that they haven't really listened to what they've been what they've been saying. But Conte is stamping his authority on this squad, on this team, the way they play, and they're playing fabulously. And I think, you know, you just got to put Conte out there. Um, You know, you started off by saying uh, you were a bit concerned about Emerson Royale and Doherty. Well, how wrong were you? I mean, uh, yeah, I I had the same thoughts at the beginning of the game. But, oh, my goodness, what a fantastic performance, particularly by Doherty. Yeah.
3: John, I have to agree with you there. And it's not, I'm not going to go into tactics or formation or anything like that, but I think that, going off of what you're saying, they're being so much more methodical and they're actually taking their time. They're fleshing out what they want to look like on the pitch and what they want their game plan to actually come to fruition about during the game. And I think that helps with not becoming so frantic or frazzled against Lobok teams. And that's what... Nuno and Jose didn't really have. Um, and Conte is really getting a lot out of the players now.
0: Mike?
2: I, yeah, and I agree with that 100%. I think a lot of it has to do, I think, with the gelling. I think the team is really starting to gel really, really well. And I think they're so getting used to uh, the formation, again, used to each other and where they're going to be. But I think a lot of praise has to go to uh, Kulisevsky. Ben and Hoyberg, and I think everyone has just kind of, like, just grown in confidence. So, like, Romero is super, super confident on the ball. Uh is. And when they're so confident, they're almost, like, inviting the pressure. They're inviting players to uh, compress them. And then as soon as players start pressing them, that's when you get the space for Kudacev, to the space for Sun, the space for Kane. And then always, it seems like there's always space for one of the fullbacks, either, uh, you know, at this point it was Doherty on the left, Doherty on the left wing back was wide open or Emerson was wide open. And the wing backs are starting to make the right decisions. And that's a big key. I think there's always been space for those two players, those two wing backs, but they weren't always making the right decision. They would force a cross in when there's only one player in the box because Kane would sometimes be outside of the box. Or they would um they'd pass it back when there was a good crossing opportunity on it. I think now they're feeling a lot more confident in these fullbacks and they're making the right choices.
0: Well, and to your point, Mike, I think what they were doing is, uh, and you saw it took us a while to, to to get into the scoring mode. We gave up the first goal in this this match. Uh, we did answer pretty quickly after that, um, but especially in the second half, what we saw uh, saw like you saw a lot of Kane on the wing, Sun on, uh, out on the wing. They, they were creating space for those wingbacks to to move in and and comp- just combining like in good ways. I mean. It was Conte's system at its best, and that is the best way to 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 break the low block. Is uh, you know pull those def- if you can't get behind those defenders, you 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 have to to pull them out of shape, and and in uh, this system certainly did that uh, did that yesterday.
1: Yeah, I think. I, um, oh, sorry, Catherine. I, I think uh, the the recording that I was watching, the commentator said it appears as if Spurs players have the ability to go wherever they want. And if it looks like that, then you're really going to confuse the other team. But how fabulous is it that Conte's introduced this um, where they can just about be all over the field? I think it's wonderful. Marvellous. I'm sorry, Catherine, I stood on you there. Over to you.
3: No, well, I was going to, similar to what you're saying right now, and then what Mike mentioned with Benton and Decky and Hoiberg, is that there seems to be some more cohesiveness to, or cohesion, I should say, (laughs) um, to the, the midfield, the core of the midfield right there. And I know when, especially when Winks came on, I was a little apprehensive, but then Clearly, Conte, like what you're saying, John, he's so uh, getting his his stamp of this is how I do things, this is how I want the team to look. This is how I want the formation to be or or how uh, the players to react to the ball or to uh, run on offense or or to pass everything that it's threaded through the team now. And so, even though I did have that apprehension, I was pleasantly surprised by the substitutes' wings—not just wings, but with Lucas and Bergvain. So that's something that kind of goes along with what you guys are saying.
1: Yeah,
2: and just to add, just you know, I'm not gonna like—we're not, not gonna sit here and act like the, uh, we were destroying Newcastle for 90 minutes. We weren't. I mean, the low block was actually working against us for the most part. And I think what opened the lock was just the quality in, in the crossing, the quality in the, the players that were making the, the the final pass. And I think Sun's ball to Davies was, you know, immaculate. I think it was a really good cross uh, with his left foot. And then Kane's ball to Doherty. I mean, no one saw that pass. Literally no one saw that pass. I thought it was going to Sun. He ended up missing, it. and then Doherty came out of nowhere and, and headed in. So I think had it not been for that quality in the passing, I think, we still could be having this conversation about how to break down the low block, but because they were the fi- the ones making the final pass, that quality—I mean, that just comes from confidence. And I think that we've had trouble breaking down Burnley, if you guys remember, when we lost to them one-nil. That was a big situation where we had the opportunities, we had the positions, and we just w- we didn't have the quality in the crossing, didn't have the quality in the finishing, didn't have the players in the box. And I think the confidence is there, and I think everyone's kind of grooving and gelling at the right time.
1: Yeah, I I agree with you, uh, Mike. The other thing is, um, we seem to have perfected this three at the back. And that's opening up another player. I mean, if you're only using three at the back, then you've got one somewhere else. And they they seem, they look like they have a a player over when they're playing, when they're passing around. But the other thing is, he's able to change, when he changed the subs, and I like you, Catherine. Yeah, I had my heart in my mouth when Winks came on. But he and Burp and and uh, yeah Lucas were were just wonderful when they came on. Um, so it and the other point that I was trying to make here is that they went to four at the back. Then I mean they were up; they were three nil up. So they thought maybe four at the back would be a little bit tighter. Um, but certainly, they didn't need it during most of the game, and and that's been a huge difference, I think, when Conte and that's, in what Conte has been able to do. Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, and, and uh, certainly, like we are definitely benefiting from the one, one match a week at this point. We don't have the depth to play two, um, but we've got the quality to to play one r- really good match a week, and it, I think it's starting to show. Um, not to take anything away from what Conte's accomplished with these players because we're getting performances out of players that you would never expect. Um, and I think we should talk a little bit about th- that player performance. And, um, uh, and uh, yes, Peter, we heard your question. I, I, don't, I don't think we're going to tackle it the way that you asked, but we, we do recognize that uh, Doherty had a fantastic game this match. Um, He's he's playing on the left, which is uh, obviously uh, not his better foot, um, but somehow, like, uh, would you guys have picked these goal scorers as, in your prediction <laughs> last week? I don't
1: think anybody in the world did, mate, um, <laughs> quite honestly. But yeah, Doherty had his best game he's ever played for us, and he played on the left flank. Um, fantastic. Who would have expected that? I. I just think he's got these uh, Conte's got these guys motivated, and he's got them playing a way that they like to play, and you know that's essential, I think, in football. You you get some managers who want to bring their um, their configuration in, and if you haven't got the players to do that, it's sometimes a disaster. But Conte's changed it. He's changed the mind frame of the people, the players that are playing, and Doherty is an absolute prime example of that.
3: I wouldn't have expected uh, to have Doherty or Davis especially to score, but I tend to predict at least one defender just because I have a soft spot for our defenders, especially Davis, but Dyer as well. And I wanted to touch on Davis just quickly. I know that uh, Peter's question was more centered towards Doherty, but um, with Davis, I think that so many people just think that he's uh, – well, which he is. He's a great, just all-around good, solid player for the team. He doesn't really – he's not going to be in highlight reels or anything, but the quickness and the sharpness of his goal was something that really encouraged me and I was very pleased with. Um, and that's the type of offense that I like to see from defenders where – it's a lot of the one-two passes, or a lot of the just I'm gonna run and and be as uh, as consistent as I can be on the pitch, which I think Davis is. And this is a, a caveat to his play, but I don't know why we don't have a song for him.
0: Yeah, you know, I like I think. A lot of times fans have been harsh on him, especially when he's been asked to play as a wing back, which I don't think is his best position. Um, but when when you put the man in his position, uh, he he performs outstanding with a good coach behind him. He, he's performing outstandingly, and uh, I think he's just a a good Premier Premier League player. He's not not world class talent, but he. What what he does very well is he he learns and adjusts and and does what a coach asks him to do, which is quite possibly one of the best characteristics of a player when when they can do that and and uh,
1: change who they are. Uh, yeah, well, he had a world class game for Wales. And hopefully, if they get through uh, the playoff, which looks as if it'll be against Scotland, and I hope I'm not going to offend anybody by saying that I hope Wales win. But if you're Scottish and you're offended, screw you, I don't care. Um, but yeah, if if they do get through, he'll have the ability to uh, to show his talents on a world uh, you know on a world screen. I think it's, I think it's great. And once again, how many of us had written Davis off? I mean, I think that that was a, a fair comment um, before Conte came in. That he was past it, wasn't doing what he should be doing. You know, we needed somebody else in there, and he's come on and he's an he's been beautiful in that back three. So, yeah, I hope he gets a yeah. chance to uh, to to play for Wales. I agree, hundred percent. I think
2: uh, you know Davies reminds me of other Premier League players that. Like, you know, you don't really like, they're underrated. You, could just, you They're always turning in like six, seven, eight out of uh, 10 of performances. And, you know, they're always on a team sheet. And you are you look at their, you're like, you know, they don't really have that much quality going forward. What are they really good at? Um, another player that reminds me, Espilagueta Asp- for Chelsea, it's quite similar. I mean, a, a player that you don't really see anything that he's really doing outrageously. But, um, and this is actually going to something that I want to talk about very soon. Uh, He has just a really strong football IQ and he seems like he's always ready for each game. And that's really important, I think. And players like that, that have really strong football IQ, like they're going to play under any manager. Uh, You know, Davies had so many appearances under Pochettino, Mourinho. Every manager is going to love a player with a a strong football IQ. And, you know, James Milner is another player that played for city and Liverpool and these championship winning teams. And he's still getting lots of game time. Um, and so that's just because of his football IQ. Um, one player I've never been more certain about writing off in my entire Spurs career was uh, Matt Doherty. Though I I literally wrote him off. I said, there's no way, like I've never been more certain about a player never coming good for us than Matt Doherty. And I'm just so shocked right now that he's playing as well as actually playing right now. So it's just, it's insane to me.
3: I wanted to uh, not, again, I agree with you guys saying Doherty was amazing uh, the other day. And uh, I did want to touch on what John mentioned about Davis's uh, confidence from Wales. And I think that you could say the same thing with Bergvine because he had an unbelievable game with the the Netherlands. And then he comes on and one of his first touches is a goal. And then he almost had another goal where it was like a floated uh, cross over the crossbar and, it could have been 7-1 with that almost goal. And then Kane almost had a goal, that, but he dragged it a little bit wide at the beginning of the match. And so I think that confidence is a huge factor with kind of going back to what we've been talking about with confidence and getting through the, that low block. They need to have that... They need to see the success in it, and then they'll continue going and doing what they see the success in. And so I think that that's something that might be overshadowed by uh, XG or anything like that, but which is football in and of itself. But the the what's on the back burner oftentimes is that confidence factor and and like the non tangible intangible items.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. In fact, he scored three goals in two internationals and then one coming back so he's got four goals in the last three games and that's uh, uh, that's superb and he's got to be on a high and that's what we need you know again you're gaining gaining good experience internationally that you can then turn into uh, and gain confidence because of that and use that confidence when you come back to spurs so it's uh, he's exciting i think all of the players are making selection future selection very difficult. I know that Conte seems to want to stick with his um, his standard lineup, but I understand Skip is going to come back next week, um, and Tanganga. Now, I don't expect Tanganga to necessarily cause an issue with is he going to actually be on the field immediately, but I think Skip could. And, you know, right now, where do you put him? You've got a fantastic midfielder, and you're not sure what you're going to do with him. So, all good.
0: And Hoy, Bier has really started to adjust. I mean, I know we were dissatisfied with him towards the early part of the season, especially under Nuno. Um, and uh, the early part of Conte, it just didn't seem like he was going to fit into the system, but he's, he's become a good partner for Benton Corps. Um And yeah, just having such a talented midfielder it, it really makes you wonder why Juventus uh, let these guys go. Like Kulusevski, how fantastic he's been. Um, you know, they they just seemed like world class, and they were ready to step into a Premier League team that's competing for top four now. Which we probably wouldn't have said that two weeks ago, but we're competing for top four now. Um, it, it it's really shocking that we've gotten such two perfect signings that can fit right into the squad um and i a lot of us were questioning whether we did enough moves in the the window and yes i think we all would have liked more moves but we we got two players that are playing every every match for us and we we cut deadwood that weren't ever getting into our squad so um what, what a fantastic uh, couple of players that we've gotten catherine
3: yeah, to go along with that, uh, I rewatched it on like one and a half, one point seven five speed, so then I could uh, kind of watch it a little bit faster and eat my dinner at the same time. Um, and I, when I was watching it though, what really struck out to stuck out to me was that uh, with Bentoncourt and his passing, and just how uh, he's very thoughtful in it. And then also he just is so crisp and purposeful in his passes and there hits so that so much strength that I was surprised, even with the quickness of my, my, my video, I was like, Oh my gosh, that seemed like it could have like hurt somebody. <laughs> um, but oh. I made a note and this is where my brain goes, but I, asked myself is he like a spider because he's so silky and he just kind of like roams around the around the pitch and is just all over the place where spiders are like that you're like how did you get up there like on the ceiling or how did you get behind this furniture and and then of course with being silky and and spinning webs and everything like that but that's something that stuck out to me with Benton Gore.
1: Yeah, no, I should start uh, calling all spiders I see now, Benton Corn. That'll, that'll be their pet name. Sorry, Mike. <laughs> you were gonna jump in no, there. I think
2: good, you're good, you're good. No, I agree, I agree 100 percent I think and he's so confident on the ball, and you love to see that because um I think it just gives the team a lot more confidence, you know. Uh, he's not afraid to take two or three touches in the midfield. And he's you know, he's always like like you mentioned, Catherine, he's very purposeful with the ball. There's never a time where he's just passing it back just to pass it back. He's passing it back to get into a better position so then he could go and then pass it forward. And I think that's really important. Um, I think uh, Ben Davies' goal, going back to Ben Davies, I mean, there's so many 9 out of 10 performances on the day, so it's kind of hard to pick out. Like, we haven't even spoken about Romero and how amazing Romero is, but we're getting used to it, which is insane, honestly. uh, Or Sun or Kane. We even mentioned how great they've been. Um, But... Davies' goal I think was so so important because I think at home you're losing New- uh, to Newcastle 1-0 and I think we were we had Dumb we were dominating the possession dominating the shots um and they had really what maybe one two clear chances with the uh, block Romero had on um Joe Willock I think that was and so I think Davies' goal was so so important because we could have gone into halftime down 1-0 and the fans could have got on the players and I think that could have been um, a lot harder for them to come back from. Uh, but because we, we I mean, Davies, Davies scored that header, we were a lot more confident, I think, and to score within the first two minutes after the break, I mean, just showed, I mean, it was a completely different game after that.
0: Yeah, it changed everything, didn't it? Um, Catherine?
3: Something that I uh, noticed besides uh, the Davis goal and, and having that momentum going into the second half was that, uh, one of the players that I like, and I've seen him in person on Newcastle's team is, uh, St. Maximin and he, he had some good things during the match that he did, but I was very excited that, that he wasn't playing like he normally does. And that's a big thing, like with what Mike is saying with Romero, where uh, we have Romero shut down or Romero shut down St. Maximin. We have uh, Dyer just as a rock in the back. You have Hugo, who didn't really do much, but when he did, he had and he's always like this. He has so much passion if he gets something wrong that he's just so pissed and he's like yelling and and screaming and that he's very much of a structured Person that I think that that's great that we have those type of players and then with Doherty at the back and and Davis and um, I think that I didn't want to I I think it would be remiss not to say that uh, Saint maximin didn't play how he normally does but that's a big part because of our defense. Yeah, yeah I, I think wish my to...
0: Royal like, deserves some credit for that as well, not not just Ramiro like. He... He had a little sputter in the beginning, uh, but once he kind of got the pace of him, he he he, he had him covered. Yeah. Which uh, we we've seen him fail in with a lot of talented
1: uh, attacker attacking players. Mm-hmm. So so that was good. I'm sorry I jumped in on you, John. No, it's okay. I was just going to say I watched match of the day, and one of the comments that they made was that Saint Maxim, if that's how you pronounce it, um, always cuts to his right, and Romero figured that out very early on. And he was just taking the ball off him because he knew what he was going to do. And, um, you know, I think that says a lot for Romero's understanding, but it also says a lot for the um, that Sam Maxim's not that good. Because if everybody figures that out, he won't be able to do anything.
0: Well, uh, well I think this might be a good place to, uh, to start going to MVP, LBP, because we've kind of talked about the match. We've started talking about the player performances. Um, let's uh, let's start with Mike for MVP.
2: I mean, this is like impossible to pick who should deserve this. I mean, everyone played amazing, honestly, and uh, I was so happy for Emerson and his goal. But um, if I have to give it to anyone, I guess I'll give it to um, Dekey Kulisewski. I think he was, you know, just brilliant on the day. He actually had the most touches of any of his first player. Um, he set up the chance for Son uh, in the beginning, um, and then he set up the chance for, his touches were so great, and then um, he obviously had the assist for Son with the cross with his right foot, which is his weaker foot, but he just kept making the right choice, and that's just something I wanted to talk about with his football IQ. I kind of wrote it down in my, my, I'm starting to do this thing where I'm writing down notes <laughs> while I'm watching the game, and uh, his football IQ is just honestly outrageous for someone so young. It's really ri- ridiculous, like. He's just uh, like, he's just he's just always making the right choice. Um, when Kane dropped in, he was making the run uh, uh, behind. When, um, when we had a midfielder with the ball, he'd make a run towards the middle to make sure that he gave himself access or to give Emerson room on the right. And then when Emerson would go on right, he would overlap and then cut back. And then he was just making every right choice at all times. And honestly, I just was so, so impressed um, by how well he played in the system and he looks, Like, it's hard because I love Bergvine and I want him to get more game time, but you're not replacing Kulisovsky. He's just so good. So MVP is going to be Kulisovsky for me.
0: Yeah, no, good job. And uh, I have to think that maybe uh, Bergvine can be more of a sub for maybe Sun, but how do you take Sun off at times? uh, uh, it, It really is a tough situation, and I ultimately think as good as Bergvine could potentially be, he might be the uh, the, the, the money that we get to, to make purchase the players and the positions that we really need um, to get Conte the guys he wants in the winter, or I mean the
1: summer. But uh, we'll, we'll see where that goes. Let's go to John next for MVP. Well, most of the pundits seem to think that Harry Kane would be the uh, MVP because, uh, I mean, basically he was involved in one way or another. Um, in all the goals. Um, but, you know, giving giving him the MVP, I mean, he always plays well. And as you know, in the past, I like to give it to the one I think who stepped up, who deserved it, and that would be Doherty. I think for me, he was the MVP. Not only was he brilliant, I didn't expect it. So that's, uh, that's the way I'm thinking. What about you, Catherine?
3: I have a three-way tie which is not great because a lot of times uh I waffle anyways and but like what you're saying it's the most valuable player and I I picked uh Bentoncourt and Romero and Doherty and to be fair they they all had their own separate uh pieces to the game that they uh were highlights in but I'm leaning towards Benton just because similar to a Kane or a Sun, they're good all the time. And he's just very much of a strength player where he's going to be uh, very much of a, I'm, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do it well every week. And that's what I've seen. Similar to what Mike was saying with Decky, where he has that football IQ, and he's 21 years old. Where Ben Bentancourt, he has, a, I think, a similar projection in his footballing uh, prowess. So I would go for Bentoncourt, but I do have my honorable mentions then for Romero and Doherty.
0: Yeah, how how do you pick? Um, <laughs> yeah, Romero certainly deserves credit. I mean, Kane, um, you know, Son played well for for a player who doesn't usually play well in a team that does have that low block um he, he actually did well especially in the second half here but um but i think i'm gonna g- give it to doherty too just because i think he deserves the recognition he was he was playing on the opposite side from his better side and he he still got a goal in us an assist and um was a major part of our success on the day. And I think that deserves the recognition, um, even though there's other players that their talent is clearly much higher and they were just as big a contributors. But I think he deserves the recognition for this one. So, so I'm going to go with Doherty. Um, does anybody have an LVP for this one? Uh, um, nope, and I'm
1: not going to give one. No, yeah, I don't single think, one. I don't there think that you can give
3: one. <laughs> anybody
1: that comes anywhere close to not having a great performance, so it would be insulting to give any one of those team members their LVP. So I I'm, I'm I'm not going to do it. I don't know if the rest of you are going to do it, but I'm not doing it.
3: Yeah, I'm foregoing my LVP
1: choice this
2: week. I thought the
1: Sun was pretty awful um, on the day. I'm just kidding, I'm
0: just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> just listen. Um, I think it was a we had like a bit of a lethargic start, um, but there wasn't anybody whose fault that was Um, that happens,
3: though. We like we often have a solid five to ten minutes, usually at the beginning of of the game where we just get our feet underneath of us where they try and just feel out the game and and figure out what's going on. And so I think that that can be forgiven, though, especially when you win five one.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. Well, um, final thoughts on uh, this Newcastle match before we – I have one more topic that I want to go to before we go to half, but uh, any final thoughts on Newcastle? Just let's
1: keep it up. You know, (laughs) we've got – people are talking about fourth. Um, I'm not giving up on third either, quite frankly. We keep this up we can put pressure on all of them. So let's just keep it going. Yeah, and and that's where
0: I kind of wanted to go next. So we have this 5-1 victory, we get we're padding our goal differential, um and with the the result we uh move up into 4th place for the the first time um this late in a season in uh, what 3 4 years now. Uh, I think 3 years. But it's it's been a while, and um, and we get to push Arsenal down in the process. Um, and, and I don't know about you guys, but I I watched the Arsenal match today uh, at least on and off, um, and I wasn't very hopeful coming into it. Like uh, the Crystal Palace, I figure the way they've been playing, that they're going to find a way to to, to 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 get a victory out of this, even if it's like a ugly victory with a couple of late goals or something like that. But
1: um, did we get lucky here? Is Arsenal really I, bad? I don't think so. I think Palace are on the up. Um, now, I watched it by myself and ended up doing some things that really confused my dog uh, by jumping up in the air and running around, which he's not used to seeing <laughs> me do. But Crystal Palace outplayed him. Um, And Crystal Palace have done very well in the last couple of games. I think Vieira is putting a very different Crystal Palace team on the pitch these days. And uh, they're a credit. Um, They didn't start so well. So, I mean, they're going to end up mid-table. But I think we've got to watch them for next year. And um, I I must admit, though, I would start the game thinking, well, if Crystal Palace can get a point out of this, that'd be great. Um, I did not anticipate the uh, the loss, but I think they thoroughly deserved it, and um, it's wonderful. Hey, life is really good. We still have to play Palace, don't we? I
0: think so. Or do I we? Don't know. Or do we already play this year? I can't remember, but um, but yeah, they do seem like they're on the up, uh, and and it was just great to to watch. Arsenal just completely frustrated. They they were playing like they were West Ham of, uh, I don't know, like 20, 2016 or something. Right? I,
3: uh, I couldn't watch, so I, I can't say that they look like West Ham of 2016, but I do find it of a great irony that we're thanking Patrick Vieira for beating Arsenal when Vieira is an Arsenal legend And this is more for a Palace perspective, but Conor Gallagher is on my fantasy Premier League team. And he's just getting me so many points every week that I'm, if we haven't played them again, or if we do have to play them again, I'm dreading playing against him because he's a menace.
0: Well, and I don't think he even uh, sco- scored or had any assists in this this match. He, even it was uh, it was other players that stepped up, which was uh, interesting to see. Um, but um, any final thoughts on uh, on this uh, Arsenal loss, Mike? You look like you want to jump in.
2: Yeah, you know, um, it's you know, it's as from an Arsenal perspective, which you know, none of us really care about, but. they won five out of the last seven like that's you know that's really good form you know you can never complain about that but it just with all the pressure on them after us winning the way we did and tying the you know actually going ahead of them in the spot for fourth place and the goal difference um for them to capitulate like that was it's pretty i mean it says a lot i think um it's gonna like for the dressing room it's gonna definitely Questions are going to be asked towards, you know, Mikel Arteta. And there's been a lot of games where I thought for sure Arsenal are going to struggle in this game. Like Leicester, I thought for sure they were, Leicester was going to beat them. And they beat Leicester. I thought for sure Villa was going to get some kind of result out of them. And then they beat uh, Villa. And I was like, you know what? This is the first game where I was like, yeah, I'm not going to assume any results. I'm just going to hope that we can, you know, they can get, they can lose to Chelsea and then hopefully we can beat them at home. And that's all I'm going to hope for. The rest of it, you know, it'll take care of itself. And then to have this happen, the one time I'm not paying attention to the actual result, um, so I ended up watching the highlights, and uh, they, yeah, they, they were, they were kind of a mess, honestly. Zaha just kind of ran rampant towards the towards the end of the game too. Um, he actually took on like, I don't know if he saw the last goal it was a penalty, but he got the penalty because he took on like six players by himself. I'm like, what is going on here? And then uh, Odegaard fouled him, so in the box, so. Um, I'm, it it's, uh, definitely makes me happy to see. And then, you know, they announced the uh, the, the game got rescheduled to May twelfth, which is fantastic. I, I, you know, I'm gonna try to find a way to be there if possible because I do land on that day, so
1: I'm excited about it. Yeah, we're um, t- just to clarify, we do not have to play Crystal Palace again this year. Oh, thanks for
0: for fact checking. Like, uh, I I couldn't remember if we had taken them on twice already, but yeah. I, so many I won-
3: games, so uh, hard to keep track of. <laughs>
0: Um, but it's with this, uh, result, we're now in the position where we have the pole position. Yes, they have a game in hand, but their game in hand is, uh, is that, ma- that match against Chelsea that was referenced. Um, so that's not going to be, uh, easy pickings for them. So we really are in the position now that if we can keep this, uh, one match a week, uh, form up that we, we've seemed to have since we have, the uh, Dropped all the midweek uh, um, fixtures, um, then maybe it's possible that we can go top four, even as John says, to go for three. Um, it certainly would be uh, it, it certainly would be an exciting day if we if if we had Champions League back, and we were able to go into that summer with, with that to attract players for for Antonio Conte. I mean, that that just would be huge for us at that point. Um, any final thoughts before we go to half? Okay, okay well, uh, that about wraps up the half. The second half, we are going to preview the Aston Villa match this next Saturday. Uh, but first, we are going to go to John's lone player update.
1: Thank you very much there, and uh, welcome to John's loan Player Update for April 2022. Um, A couple of things to bear in mind. There was an international break uh, which did impact a number of our players, but I will mention that. So perhaps some of them didn't get as much playing time with their clubs as they would normally do over the last four weeks. Um, But I think there are two of our loanees that have really stood out in the last month. And the first is Troy Parrott, what he's playing really, really well. He got two goals in the league against Cheltenham. Uh, They are in the playoffs. Uh, MK Dons are in the playoffs. They're one point out of the automatic promotion spot. And wonderfully, he got the winning goal for the Republic of Ireland against Belgium now it was in the 97th minute and he did but he'd come on as a sub in the 63rd minute and evidently scored a cracker so that's wonderful for him i mean again that's going to give him wonderful amount of confidence and uh moving moving forward and uh, i think out of out of all of them he's the one that's looking that may get a that may get a permanent spot next year with tottenham in the squad um uh, the other one who's doing an outstanding job is Cameron Carter Vickers. My goodness. He was the man of the match in uh, Celtic's win over Rangers. He scored Celtic at top of the table and in line to be champions. And as I mentioned before, they've already won the League Cup. They are in the semifinals of the Scottish Cup. He could be on the way to winning three pieces of silverware this year and has done um, a lot of that has been because of his performance, just just fabulous up there at Celtic. Um, Pepe Sarr, who is uh, with Metz in Ligue 1 in France, he came on as a sub um, when Senegal played Egypt. He is an international with uh, with Senegal. He he did come on in extra time, but um, Senegal did win that match in extra time. So he's moved forward in, in as far as that's concerned. Um, the, he was brought on as a sub the week before the international break, and he started one game and, come on as a, and came on as a sub prior to that. So he's getting a fairly decent amount of pitch time. Mets, however, are abysmal. They're second from bottom. Um, they're not really playing as if they're going to be anything but relegated. Uh, as far as the french law is concerned if they do manage to scrape themselves up to third from bottom they'll be in the uh, relegation playoffs so you know <laughs> they've got to get up to fourth from bottom to not get involved with relegation and i can't see that at all uh, jack clark with sunderland is having a smashing job up there he's starting most games he's making an impact um, during those games he didn't go anywhere for the international break, but uh, I expect him to get uh, more uh, more playing time with, than he had because uh, Defoe has retired and he was sharing time with Daniel Defoe. So, I mean, I think this is exactly what a loan is supposed to be. He's getting good time in a good league with a good club, and that's only going to make him a better player. Um, Etete, um, who was doing really well for Cheltenham and then went off the radar. Nobody seemed to know why he wasn't playing. There were no um, announcements about it um, until he came on last week. And we were told that that was his first game after he'd suffered an ankle injury, which would have been nice to have known before. But nonetheless, um, he has he's come back. He came on as a sub. I expect him to to uh to get more playing time now Cheltenham are you know they're 19 points from promotion and 16 points away from relegation so i think that they're pretty much middle of the table but again if he can get involved as he had as he did before he was injured he was banging the goals in um, i think that's a that's a good loan for him uh, talking about good loans let's talk about a really bad loan niall john at charlton um, There's been quite a bit of press about this, but he has had no time on the pitch and has not even been on the bench for any game since he was loaned to Charlton. Um, We've got to do something about this. I mean, the reason to send somebody out on on, uh, loan is for them to get experience. Well, he's not getting experience. He's getting experience sitting at home, and they can do that playing for Tottenham. So that, that's that got to be ended. I don't know whether they think it's too late now uh, because there's only, you know, seven or eight games left in the season, but I'd really like to him to, to, to do. I really like Spurs to do something about it, but uh, Charlton are saying, well, they've got other players that are better than him, And then it's why he's not playing. Well, I can kind of understand their, uh, their view, but nonetheless, he didn't go to Charlton to not even sit on the bench um Alfie Whiteman, the goalkeeper who played last year for Degerfors in Scandinavia, their season starts this weekend, so'll we'll, he'll be getting his first game I think on Saturday and uh, we'll be able to look and see what he's doing there, uh, what's going on there. Uh, I'm now going to move on to the, uh, the the four players that were moved on loan lately, more or more more recently, and uh, Dombalé playing for Lyon. Um, interestingly enough, he will be playing against West Ham in the Europa Cup when uh, Lyon come to uh, come to London in that competition. Um, he's he's been playing well for Lyon. His performances have been uh, described as erratic. Well, there's a surprise. Um, so he's either brilliant or. He's no good at all, and I don't think we've really learnt much by that because that's exactly what he was like when he was with us. Um, you know, I don't wish the I don't wish the man ill, but nonetheless, um, he doesn't appear to have changed his ways. It will be interesting to see him play against West Ham, but we'll see how that goes. Um, interesting, Brian Gill playing for Valencia. He's had eleven appearances. He's getting really good pitch time and very positive reviews. The other thing that I see as a real positive about his play is that he's got three yellow cards. Now, you might say, why is that a positive thing? Well, it means he's getting stuck in, doesn't it? And um, you don't get yellow cards if you're not getting stuck in. I don't think he got stuck in when he was playing for Spurs. So he's learning. And I think that that's, uh, that's a good thing. He's toughening up and that'll make his return, I think, a lot more positive than it was the last time he was with us. Then we've got the elusive Giovanni La Celso with Villarreal. Well, you know, he's going to be playing in the Champions League quarter-finals against Bayern Munich on Wednesday, so he's really fallen into a bucket of roses there. Um, I don't really sense that he's shown us anything different than he showed us when he was at Spurs, quite honestly. But nonetheless, he's having a good time. So that is uh, that's a good thing. And lastly, our most expensive loan, the, uh, uh, the keeper, Kasper Kurolovitz, um, has been with Potter's Bar. And I understand he has made one appearance, although after half an hour on the Internet, This afternoon, I couldn't find out who that was against. Uh, They're in the Ishmael Premier League. I did find out something else about him that I didn't know before, and that is that he is a Polish under-23 international. So uh, maybe he's one to watch, but certainly he's still training with Tottenham, but on game days, he's going to Potters Bar, which is just around the corner, um, and getting some game time there. So that's the 11 players that are out on loan. I'm John Howard, and come on, you Spurs, let's do some more like we did against Newcastle.
0: Well, thanks as always, John. That was actually very informative, and uh, there was a lot that I hadn't heard that was going on with players, too, so that was uh, very useful. Um, I can only hope that, uh, like, I I think you have it right, just, like, the more time that these guys get on the pitch, whether some of them can make the first team someday, or we just have a return value when we move them on to their next club. Either way, it's, it's, it only gets better if they have more play time. So, so, so thanks for that for John. Uh, I, I definitely appreciate it, but let's roll the conversation along. We have uh, one match, the preview. Um, and that's uh, this, this Saturday, uh, we take on Aston Villa away. That's uh, uh, it. April 9th, uh, 11.30 a.m. here in Chicago. Uh, So currently they're sitting in 10th place in the league. That's 36 points, 11 wins, 3 draws, 16 losses. Uh, They most recently uh, lost away to Wolves uh, this this past Saturday. Uh, They lost to Arsenal and West Ham prior to that. Uh, Their top goal scorer right now is Ollie Watkins, with eight uh, Ramsey and Ings are both uh, high goal scorers for them. Ings is their top playmaker right now. And John McGinn is their top rated player. Um, last five times that we faced them, we have beat them all but the, two times ago. So uh, we, we beat them most recently in October, 2021. But if we go back to may, 2021, we lost them 2 one. Um, so how are you guys feeling about this? Aston
1: Villa, uh, match. It looks like uh, John wants to go first. Yeah, well, I was lucky enough to be at the match when we played Aston Villa in October. That was the one game I I saw when I was back there. And we won 2-1, but we're a very different side than that. And I think so is Villa. Uh, I mean, we beat them and they went on a, a real downhill um they then did made made some changes and they did start to come back a little bit i think that you know they don't have to worry about relegation right now so they're in, they're a team that i think we will beat handily they don't need to win the stay up they have no real they've got nothing to play for um and that's that's uh, I know that's sometimes a two-edged sword, but nonetheless, um, I think it'll work in our favour this time. And, uh, you know, the way we're playing and the way we're scoring goals lately, I think we're going to crush them. So that's me. But you know me, I'm the perpetual optimist.
0: Well, and this is not a away fixture, which we, uh, can be sometimes problematic, But um, and they are an improved side. But what do you guys think, uh, Mike?
2: Yeah, I'm... I'm concerned. I mean, they're with them. They're they're playing um, either very well or very terrible. I mean, I think the last six games they won. They they won three in a row and then they lost three in a row. And so um, we don't know what kind of Villa is going to turn up here. I think Simajara, I think, is a really good manager, um, but it's hard to tell with them. And it's because I think um, they have issues with um, who they play at forward. I think they have issues with uh, how they. Um, I I just think they have – it's a weird, really developed squad because they bought a lot of players, but they're not all gelling in and fitting in like they're supposed to. But we never really know. I mean, we are going to be away from home. It is a Saturday kickoff. Um, It's going to be a late kickoff, which is a good thing, I think, um, for us. But you really don't know what you're going to get out of of Villa. It's going to be a great performance or a terrible performance. They beat Brighton 2-0. They beat Southampton 4-0. Then they they beat uh, Leeds 3-0. Then lost to West Ham, lost to Arsenal, then lost to Wolves. So we don't know what kind of, you know, we don't know which one, which, which team we're gonna get here. Um, which is a little nerve wracking, but we've won three in a row, and you know we're kind of riding high on confidence. I think three in a row in the Premier League is actually our record for this year so far. So let's see if we can go one up that and get our fourth.
0: Yeah, no, that would certainly be nice. And I guess you can look at the quality of the, the teams that they've lost to. I mean, what uh, West Ham and Arsenal both, both were, have been playing fairly well. Um, and Wolves uh, ha, have been very strong at home this year. Um, so th- those three losses, I mean, uh, um, I, I guess we have to think that they're going to lean more towards uh, – um, Uh, playing us the way they would play against uh, Arsenal and West Ham and maybe not so good, we can hope. Uh, What do you think, Catherine?
3: Yeah, similar to Mike, I was thinking that they're very wishy-washy. They're very off and on. And it's interesting because like what Mike said too, that they may not be as integrated with their players as they would want, but they have quality players. And I know one of the most recent times that I've been on, we were completely slating whatever team that we were playing against. And I was like, wait a second, you guys like there's always going to be quality players. It's just, if they show up, it's, it's kind of like the uh, situation when goalkeepers show up against Spurs and they just have a lights out game where that might be the case with Aston Villa where uh, Luca Dini might have an incredible game game. Coutinho is and always has been a quality player for Liverpool and now for Aston Villa, even though he's getting on an age, but, um, and then you have people like Maddie cash who he apparently just signed a five-year deal today. Um, and he's been such an asset to Aston Villa. And then of course our nemesis who always scored against us when he was at Southampton with, in Danny Ings, where, Uh, He's not as lethal as he once was when he was at Southampton, but he can put in a shift. And so I'm, I'm not wanting to be as positive as John is maybe, but I I do think that we will still win, but I do have my uh, misgivings about uh, Aston Villa because they, like what Mike said, they're very, they play either very well or very terribly. So who knows which one will show up yeah,
1: yeah i think the, talent, the, yeah. the other thing is we've got something to play for i mean we really do and they don't they're above relegation they're not going to get promoted they're not well they're not going to get into europe they're not going to get relegated and we've really got something to play for and i'm putting a lot of stock in that um that and my you know eternal optimism for the wonderful tottenham hotspur is uh, is what's Giving me that thought, Catherine. But um, I have to agree that I I do I hear what you say and I agree with a lot of it. Um, I agree with all of it actually. But um, it's not giving me the uh, it's not giving me the nerves that uh, that maybe you are there.
0: I'm feeling good about having a
1: whole week to prepare for
0: this match because I I think Antonio Conte will come into it with a plan. I think he can outcoach them. I think our players are better than their players on their day, but there is more talent here than a typical Aston Villa squad, and I do think we have we can't just uh, um, just assume the victory here. Um, and the only time I've actually watched Spurs live in a Premier League fixture was uh, was against Aston Villa, and they. Uh, 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 we lost that one to Tim Sherwood Sherwood coaching of, of all people. So I, I'm definitely not going to just uh, assume the victory here at all, um, but um, I'm cautiously optimistic.
3: Anthony, After- I, w- I wanted to add on to what you're saying about, uh, was it you or, or Mike actually? <laughs> um, but one of you said this, that we have a week to prepare where that could be a a boon for us because Steven Gerrard doesn't seem like he changes his starting 11 that much unless they they have injuries or people who are coming back from international break type of of situation. But we should relatively know what we're playing against because if they start the same starting nine, 10, 11 players, we should kind of have that in the bag where, okay, we know what to expect in their formation or the players that are going to be in certain positions.
2: Yeah, and just to add on with that, they're, they're actually playing, so they play with the number 10. It's very very few teams nowadays play with the number 10, I think, and I think that's going to cause some issues with this because at that point, it's like, who is going to be marking Coutinho? Is it going to be Dyer stepping out, trying to mark Coutinho? Is it going to be Hoiberg and uh, Betancourt trying to um, make sure that they're closing down that space? and i think continue is going to be able to find some some very good pockets of space that being said they play very narrow and i think we play very wide so we could just make that it, it could just be a high scoring affair and we could make that you know our our biggest um you know our, our biggest weakness would be our biggest strength in that in that case
0: yeah and good shout about that like it, it the, the the league has kind of shifted away from that that role in in a match, but um, this is one team that's still still playing that that position. So we I think we it it could cause us problems because we're not used to facing it. So I, I I hadn't even really thought of it, but that was a really good uh, uh, thought there, Mike. Um, any other uh, uh, thoughts before we go to predictions? Uh, okay, let's go to predictions, and we'll start with uh, Catherine this time.
3: Well, like I said, I I do think that we'll win, and I think that I'm in between winning, oh gosh, this is the hardest part of my day. Uh, <laughs> I will say a 3-1 win, and I think that it will be... A Kane goal, a Dyer goal. There's my defender. And then, you know, I'm going to say Hoyberg because he hasn't had one for a while. And why not give some love to Pierre Emile?
0: He does get himself into positions to score uh, now and then. like uh, so, it's, so it's not an impossible. So not, not about bad job there. Uh, let's go to John next.
1: Well, so Catherine, you were cautious and nervous, and you and you said we're going to win three one. That doesn't sound too cautious to me, because as a great optimist, I'd but say we're going to win three one. Danny Ings will get the the goal for them for I, me. So. Yes, he he. You're right. He's not as good as he once was, but he's as good once as he ever was. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a good player. But I think that I'm going to go with uh, Kane and Son, and the third is going to be for Skip on his debut back.
0: Oh, I would love to see that. It definitely yeah. with Skip coming back. I, I have a feeling he might not start, but I think we'll see him play minutes in this match. Uh, uh, but uh, I am excited for him to be coming back into the team because I, I really want to see what he can do with with Benton Core. Like I think that could be a good partnership, uh, uh, unfortunately, meaning hoyt Bier gets a little bit less playing time, but uh, that's a nice problem to have. Um, uh, Mike, what's your prediction?
2: Yeah, I'm going to go with a narrow victory. I'm saying 90th minute winner, um, and it'll be Steven Bergwijn with the winner. Um, our first goal will be scored by Romero, and I think our forwards will just have a very off game, but Bergwijn will come in to save the day, and for them, I think maybe Ollie Watkins will get a goal.
0: I like it. I like it. Uh, as long as it's a victory, I like it. And I do think we're going to win as well. Um, but I think it might be a little bit tougher of a affair than we're we're expecting. Um, even with the time to prepare, I, uh, I think some of the problems that we said with some of their, their talent, which I think could surprise us. Um, maybe some of the positioning we might struggle with a little bit, but I think we're going to win three, two, um, I think we get a goal from Kane, uh, cause he's due. Um, I think we get a goal from Sun cause he seems to be going on one of his hot streaks and roles. And I think we get a goal from Benton cause he's just been fantastic. And I, uh, I think he's gonna not only score a lot, he's going to get a lot of assists for us as well. Uh, but those are my three. Um, any final thoughts on the, the week that was we have uh, we've actually gone shorter than usual here. So if there if there's things that you want to talk about from uh, from this week or the, the week that we're preparing for,
1: please have at it, uh, John. Well, I just want to say what a great week it is to be a Spurs supporter. Um, you know, the last couple of days could not have been better. I'm bouncing around up here, and uh, it's just a great time to be a Spurs supporter. And there's so much to look forward to. So, yeah, let's keep it up and let's have some fun. Fun is key,
0: definitely, uh, Mike.
2: Yeah, I think um, I'm. I'm so happy with the team right now. I think they're just playing so well, and. It's, you know, it's just lovely to see when new signings bet in the way they're betting in. And, you know, you just really, it's just, it just, it's a really feel-good atmosphere, I think, at the club right now. I think Conte is really bringing, pushing a lot of it, you know, and um, I was really happy Emerson scored. So, like, really at this point, I don't think we have any fingers that we can point at, any skateboards, and I hate when we have that situation. Um, And I promised myself I wouldn't do this, but I'm looking at Arsenal's next fixtures. And I'm looking at them playing Brighton, and Brighton had a – they actually drew with Norwich 0-0, no, no, but they had an amazing performance. They should have scored at least three goals. I'm surprised they didn't. Um, but I'm hoping uh, Brighton could help us out too. Despite – I mean, we need to win. Obviously, we need to win our game. But if Brighton could help us out, that would be great as well.
0: Uh, yeah, I would definitely would love to see that. Like, I, If Arsenal could turn this into going on a slide, that would be fantastic. We could just have them out of the picture altogether um, and we can just do our thing at that point. Uh, Catherine, bring it home for us.
3: Yeah, I was, I was just going to kind of agree and, and echo what John and Mike said that it's a great week to be a Spurs fan, but also I know that there are some people out there who are trying to put the kibosh on people being excited, but I think that it's something to be said that you can be measured about what we're doing where we're at the league table who's injured who's not international break everything that's involved but then also still be excited and uh our club motto is to dare is to do so why not be excited
0: yeah let's do more yeah dare more and do more um but i think that about wraps it up so uh, thanks to uh, Catherine for editing in town tonight, uh, to Charlie for the music, Sam for social media, Kimberly for the logo, and as always, the Atlantic Bar and Grill for the use of the recording space when we record there, and uh, uh, and it's great to be back there watching matches, great crowds coming out, definitely hit us up this weekend if you're in town. Um, find our merchandise at Big Ed Media, find us now on both Spotify and Stitcher, hit the subscribe button, and write us a review on iTunes if you like our podcast, or give us a review wherever you get your podcast. Check us out on Twitter and Facebook at Four Star Spurs and our website at fourstarspurs.com. Come on, you Spurs.